In this episode, I'll talk about a trending message that I think is inaccurate and unhelpful. In fact, I think it's working against the best interests of horses and the humans that care so much about them. So here we go, episode 167, The Unbearable Heaviness of Horsemanship. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. I want to tell you about a beautiful, mindful moment in a day that I had that was without an agenda, and it was with my horses while they were free in their space. So I was sort of tootling around on the golf cart, and Ovation and Hotshot were out loose in the main area. And they saw me in the golf cart and came motoring over to say hello. So I stopped the golf cart to schmooze with them and Ovation poked his head inside the cart and licked my face and Hotshot does this really cute twisty thing with his face because <laughs> he knows I think it's cute and uh, it got him attention and I got up and scratched his belly for a little bit and Ovation seemed to really enjoy as I made a fist with my hand and rubbed my knuckles on the insides of his ears. And then I sat back down on the golf cart and we all just kind of hung out there for a little bit. Me on the golf cart and them kind of standing in front of the golf cart and their heads were hanging down kind of halfway in the cart. And I just sat there and listened to them breathe. And after a little while, I wanted to go back to the house to get some lunch. So I sat up and I asked them to move, kind of doing my little backup signal with my hand and I slowly rolled the cart forward just a couple inches and they both took a couple steps back and turned and then walked away. And as they did, Ovation gave a big yawn and then licked his lips and Hotshot lowered his head a bit and gave it a little gentle shake. And I smiled and rolled on up to the house feeling quite in love with the moment. Now, I've been wanting to talk about something for a while now. And it's been sort of turning in my mind of how do I talk about this? What exactly do I want to say? And it took me a little while to figure out how to say it. But it was this moment with Hotshot and Ovation that made me think, that's it. So I've been noticing a trend lately among, I guess what I'll call, you know, quote, for the horse, <laughs> horsemen and, and women. And it's this really interesting feeling of deep guilt and shame, <laughs> along with a sort of paralyzing feeling of fear to make a mistake. Now, it's a different kind of mistake than I'm used to seeing among students. I'm used to seeing, you know, people concerned about being too fumbly or 
or bad in their technique or timing. You know, they just want to be their best and they want to do their best and and they don't want to do it wrong. They want to be right for their horses. But those kinds of mistakes or fear of making mistakes, it's pretty easy for me to help people with. I mean, it's kind of what I do. I create a non-judgmental environment. I show people the power of experimentation, you know, among other things. But these days, I'm seeing a different kind of fear among students and even professionals. It's not just a fear of making mistakes, but it's a fear to do anything with or to ask anything of their horses. And this is especially among the people who care the most for the horse's well-being. And it's coming from a message that's getting amplified out there that if your horse shows signs of release, licking, chewing, yawning, shaking their heads, etc., then it means that your horse was previously stressed or traumatized, scared, forced, abused, overfaced by what you just did or by the situation that you just put them in. And that is a huge assumption to be making. Not every release was preceded by forceful, traumatizing, over-the-limit pressure. Signs of release do not indicate something went wrong. This is a contorted message that is not serving anyone, and it's having a paralyzing effect on students and even younger professionals. In some circles, training horses in the best way possible is starting to feel very, very heavy instead of joyful. You know, a release of tension means there was a release of tension, and it's always a good thing to release tension. We need to look at the other end of the problem and to do it in a more thoughtful, practical way. Now, there are different variations on this theme, but the sort of bottom line of the message is that a sign of release means you did something wrong, your horse was stressed, and it shouldn't be happening if you really love your horse, right? You shouldn't be doing anything to stress your horse. Now, I know already some of you listening are maybe thinking of examples of specific articles that maybe are more nuanced on the subject and that I'm absolutely misinterpreting that article. So just know I'm making a comment on this general trend, not any one specific article that you might be thinking of. But here's the thing. The result of this idea that signs of release are bad is causing many horse owners, students, and professionals, the most heart-centered ones, to get into a state of deep doubt to the point of wanting to give up on horses. And now, listen, I'm all about deep reflection about what we do with horses, but this particular subject that's out there and the way I've seen it talked about feels a little different to me. And in my opinion, it's focusing on the wrong end of the problem and it's causing the wrong people to back off. So in this podcast, first I'm going to talk about the result of focusing on the wrong end of the problem. And then I'll talk about the other end of the problem that I believe we should be focusing on. And I'll also try to give like a practical application of all of this. So the premise that signs of release are always bad is a really dangerous theory about this wrong end of the problem. I think releases of tension are always good. It's not the release that is bad. You know, releases are not 
signs of submission. They are just releases of tension. So some of the things that I've seen out there are criticizing some people's misinterpretation of the release, but you know, that's just a misinterpretation. A release of tension is a release of tension. A release of tension doesn't mean that you dominated over your horse. It just means that the horse had at least a drop of tension and then he released it. And sometimes those drops can be really small. And that's why I told the story about Ovation and Hotshot, because I had been mulling this over in the back of my mind. And I'm sitting there watching Ovation and Hotshot after this beautiful, lovely hanging out moment, walk away and give me some signs of release, a yawn, a lick, a shake of the head. (laughs) I can't imagine any horrible tension that was caused by hanging out with them in the golf cart, giving them scratches for a second. Now, I don't often use absolute language, but I can't really think of an example of when a release of tension would not be a good thing. I mean, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a release of tension is always going to be good. If there's tension there, for whatever reason, it needs to be released. So we should be happy that it's releasing. You know, humans have become masters of holding intention and creating contortions inside our mental, emotional, and physical selves to the point of dysfunction. Is that what we want for our horses? To not release the tension? To become masters of holding it in just like us? If we make signs of release a measure of bad horsemanship, Will someone then start punishing their horse for shaking their head or blowing out or yawning or licking and chewing? Don't doubt that that could happen. Now, most of the traumatized horses that I've met and rehabilitated had a problem of not releasing tension. My horse, Teo, for example. So when a horse comes to me that's had trouble in the past, and they finally do start to yawn and breathe, is that a sign that what I'm doing is wrong? I'm celebrating when they start releasing the tension. And here's what I see with humans who have taken this message to heart. They do a session with their horse, and at some point their horse licks and chews. So they think they just stressed them out. So they do less. They become a little less clear. They second guess. They kind of do it, but kind of not too much. They doubt themselves. They feel bad. They ask, but they don't want to clarify. They start, and if the horse questions anything, they go, oh, never mind, never mind. And so what the horse feels is the doubt. They feel the sort of, this isn't okay. I'm wrong. They feel the wrongness <laughs> that the human is projecting. They feel the confusion, and they're not getting anything to help them understand. So behaviors are getting contorted, messages are getting mixed, and no one is feeling good or confident. And so the next day is worse. And the people get afraid to do anything more. And that fear or contortion or doubt of something while doing the something is so 
disharmonious that is actually creating more tension inside the human and then between the human and horse. And that's what the horses are picking up on. And this cycle repeats until the horse is actually becoming more stressed by the confusion and the vibe of the human feeling so bad that their horse released tension. And then the human feels inadequate and guilty. They think they're torturing their horse and they give up on their dream. And this is among students and professionals that I personally know to be really caring, conscientious horsemen, of course, because it's these really caring, conscientious horsemen that if in fact this was true, oh my goodness, wouldn't they want to do something about it? (laughs) And they get in the cycle of doubt, second guessing, doing less, pulling back, giving less information not getting horses through to the other side of the joy, the understanding, the confidence. And I can only imagine what effect this is happening on the students who are really just trying to learn and trying to do it their best. A release of tension doesn't mean you just did something wrong or bad to your horse. A release of tension is always a good thing. You know, life, all of life, has an element of pressure to it, even in nature. I mean, I've heard some people say that horses in the wild will never lick and chew. Now, I don't know all the research, but I'm going to really question that premise. I'll bet that after horses push each other or fight with each other or play spar or do other natural horse behavior stuff, that those horses lick and chew afterwards. Both horses. I mean, I don't think it's a hierarchical submission thing that the submissive one licks and chews and the dominant one doesn't. I have read some stuff on this. And most of us aren't dealing with horses in the wild. We are we have domesticated horses in, you know, pretty contrived lifestyles. There's going to be tension. Life has tension and pressure built in. And how amazing is it that horses have so many ways of releasing that tension, a lick and chew, a shake of their head, a yawn. You know, it's just us silly humans that stiffen our backs, breathe shallowly, smile fakely and say, we're fine. (laughs) And hold it all in. You know, there's a thing called a trauma release exercise, T-R-E, where it teaches humans how to actually remind the body how to literally shake things off. It's quite interesting. You can um, Google or YouTube search for T-R-E shaking exercises. I've learned how to do it. It feels amazing. And it's this natural shaking it off response. Why are we humans so against releasing tension that we have to like learn exercises of how to do it? I've found that now that I've reminded my body how to do this, that in times of tension, like it'll automatically start to do that. And I welcome it and let's, let's clear it. You know, let's not bring this contortion of, of suppressing release into the horse world. Life is tension creating. No one, especially not those living in the wild, have a life free of pressure. I mean, pressure 
some pressure is not necessarily bad and it's often good. I actually did a whole podcast on this subject way back in episode 31. That's how important it was. I did it within the first 50 podcasts. I mean, in general, think of your own fondest memories or feelings of your greatest accomplishments, your most exciting, fun days. They're often stories of hardship or stress or even fear that you overcame and now they are your proudest and happiest moments. And this isn't just a human experience. I think horses get this idea of challenging oneself, pushing a little bit, figuring, trying to figure something out, making a game, making some sort of challenge for oneself. I remember playing once with my horse, Monty, a Lipizzan, and I was doing some jumping at Liberty and started to put it up. And he was pretty eager, just, you know, point and shoot, didn't need a jump shoot, just put the jump up and he'd go around and he'd jump and jump. And then it started to get up a little higher. I was like, hey, he seems to be into this. Let's go. And at one point, you know, he'd, he'd, I'd send him, I'd put the jump up, I'd send him, he'd jump it and he'd come back and, uh, you know, get his little cookie or, or a scratch and a rest. And then at some point it got up a little bit high and he came into it, jumped it, and he knocked the pole off with his front feet. And then he took off and gave a little buck. And then he just kept, he was accelerating around the arena. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to come. He wants to go jump the jump again. So I hurried and I went over, I picked up the pole. I could barely have the time to get the pole set back up again. And he's jumping it again. <laughs> he flies over it. This time he clears it with the front feet but just taps it with his back toes and the rail comes down again. He lands, does a little buck, takes off down the long side. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going for it again. So I run over. I could barely get the pole up in time. He clears the jump and then comes over, licks and chews, gives a little shake and a snort and stands and rests and gets his cookie. So did I overface him? Was that too much pressure? Was I forcing him to jump it until he cleared it? I just put up the jump. He did all that. He, for, I don't, I'm not going to try to guess what he was thinking, but what it looked like is he knew that was a challenge. He knew he didn't make it. He didn't like hitting it. So he's going to do it again. And he changed his technique and he cleared it with the front and did the back. He's like, oh, missed it with the back legs. And he hustled to go do it again. And then he cleared it and he, yeah, he had to work for that. He was at Liberty. I was standing there laughing, just trying to set the jump up fast enough. So I really think, I know that this feeling of pride we get from going through something, pushing ourselves a little bit, within reason, of course, there's nuance to this. There's nuance to this. If we overface ourselves, it doesn't work. If we force somebody else to do something that they don't want to do, it doesn't work. But there's this space between, oh no, he hit it with his feet. Let's not let Monty jump. Let's go back and do a cross rail again. Or, you know, there's a space between that. Oop, let's put him away. He touched it with his front feet. Space between that and forcing. And Monty just gave such a clear example to me of like, 
he, he's proud. He gets the game. He understands. He has choices. And he chose to go push himself and try and fail and try again until he got it. And then he knew when he was done. And after he cleared it, he came over, hung out, gave a little shake it off, and cleared it. So, of course, of course, there are people in this world who do want to force horses. They do want to stress them out. They do want to dominate them. They do want to be mean to horses. I've seen it. We've all seen it. And yes, we need to change that. But let's focus on the stuff that's causing the stress, not the stuff that's relieving it. A release of tension is always good. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. All right, so I think I made my case for, for why we don't want to focus on the relieving the stress part of it. That's the wrong end of the problem. We need to focus on the when the stress is coming up. That's the end of the problem we need to focus on. We need to understand the signs of stress and know when we're approaching that line and when we're at that line. So to understand how, how do horses express stress? For example, like Dr. Sue Dyson has the um, signs of, of pain in, in the ridden horse or, you know, in, in horses. And you can go look those up. That's amazing. And other people are doing work on this, you know, the expressions and the sign. I mean, we know kind of the signs of stress in horses, but we also need to know the signs of stress for your horse, the horse right in front of you, because they are different. Some horses want to leave, act out. Some horses go internal and you really need to know what does your horse look like when they become confused or even bored. Boredom can be stressful. What do they look like when they become afraid? What does your horse look like when they're in pain? Some horses check out. Some horses start overachieving. Every horse is just a little bit different. So you want to become an expert at noticing changes. And when they happen, what's normal for your horse, 
what changed? And then you sit back and you look. Sometimes changes are good. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's what my horse looks like when they're super proud and exuberant. But you also want to notice what happens when your horse is becoming confused or anxious or afraid. So notice changes, pause, and think a little bit. What's just happened? What could it be? And take your best guess. Because this change, this change in the behavior is going to tell you when you're at a decision point. When your horse shows signs of tension, it's a decision point. And that's important because it means you have choices. The answer is not always back off. All right, here's, here's how I describe it. And, and I'll try to paint this picture and hopefully, um, <laughs> hopefully I'll do a good job describing it. So I talk about this foundational box, which is kind of the, the playing field that you have to work within. So picture, it's not just two-dimensional, but picture this three-dimensional, maybe it's a cube, a foundational cube, and there's corners on this cube. And the cornerstones are things like communication, trust, relaxation, your attitude of partnership, your attitude in general, your attention, your focus, your timing, your use of techniques, your use of motivational skills. Like these are the cornerstones. And however sort of great your skills are, the bigger the playing field that you have to work in. Inside that playing field is the space where your horse understands, where he's okay with what you're asking, right? He's able, he's willing. Like this is the the inside your foundational box is all the things you do with your horse. The horse is like, sure, (laughs) I got it. No problem, right? So that's the foundational playing field that we have. And as we train and grow and develop, then we're expanding and we're all of those corners are sort of outwardly moving and our, our cube, our playing field is getting bigger because we have more communication. We have more trust. We have more, um, you know, higher levels of skills. We are better at what we can motivate. But sort of by nature of training, training is the process of becoming able to do something that we couldn't do before, right? So we're practicing doing something we can't do in order to then later be able to do it. So by nature, trainers (laughs) like to find the edge of the box, right? So we like to go, okay, here's what we're comfortable with and what's next, So we learn to approach the edge of the box. And as trainers, to make the most progress, you want to find the edge. Jennifer Zellix has a beautiful way of saying it. She says, um, go quickly to the limit, then slow down, right? So you want to get to the edge because there's there's the edge of what you can do. Find out all the stuff you can do. But when you get to the edge of like, oh, we're not okay with this, or he doesn't understand this, or he's not able to do that, then we slow down. We pause, we think, we go, okay, I'm at the edge. What do I want to do? And we decide we have a choice. So we stop and we think, all right, I'm at the edge of what my horse understands or trusts or whatever it is. Do I retreat? Do I say, today's not the day? It's too much. I want to make it easier for my horse. 
I want to help him feel less afraid, whatever it is. One choice is we go, oh, that's the edge. Let's come back from the edge. Today's not the day. But the other choice is we go, you know what? I really want to be three feet over the line. (laughs) I'd really like to be out there, but that's outside our playing field. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to remember that place. And now I'm going to, I'm going to really up my game of communication, my motivational skills. How can I do this in a more trustworthy way? How can I be a better leader? All of those cornerstones, I'm going to up my game so that I can go three feet out of where my edge is. But if I move the edge, if I up my game and build all my skills and do it in this way, then suddenly that place that yesterday was three feet over the line outside the box is now my box is bigger. And now the horse is like, oh, well, now it's okay. So what I'm asking the horse to do today will be within that box tomorrow. Now, so I keep going, right? So now in either one of those scenarios, I'm, tr- I'm playing with my horse. I get to an edge. I go, oh, there's the edge. I either retreat or I move forward. Either way, I want my horse to release tension. If I got to the edge, there's tension. Now, I didn't mean I smashed him up against the wall. I didn't mean I threw him a mile past it. But I also didn't avoid and not find it. I would be missing so much of my potential if I never got close enough to the edge to know that I was getting close enough to the edge. And if we get a little close to the edge, we're going to feel some tension. But notice and decide in either scenario, whether I move forward through it or I come back, I want my horse to release tension. I will celebrate when he does, when he blows or yawns or stretches or shakes his head or blinks or does whatever he was not doing before, whatever is the way that my horse releases tension. The release is good. It's desirable. (sighs) and again of course there are some people out there purposely stressing out their horses in order to dominate them they don't want their horses to have a voice they want them to shut up and do what they're told the worst cases of those horses the problem is not that they are releasing the problem is that they aren't we don't need to be teaching that the release is wrong we need to be looking at How do we know when we're at the edge? And what are our choices? There's more than one way to handle what you do when you get to the edge. All right. So if you find this interesting, please go listen to episode 31 for more talk about pressure and how do you know if it's good pressure or bad pressure? I think you'll find it really interesting. But to sum up this episode, Just know that the release of tension is always good. Know how your horse shows you that he has some tension. And when you see tension, know that you have a choice. Retreat, save it for another day, or up your foundational skills to get your horse through the moment 
and expand his or her ability to be okay with the new skill or the new situation. And practice releasing your own tension. And most of all, don't let your immense desire to do right by your horse paralyze you. Don't let other people's assumptions manipulate your immense love for your horse into feelings of guilt for not being good enough. I'll repeat that one. (laughs) Don't let other people's assumptions manipulate your immense love for your horse into feelings of guilt for not being good enough. Just keep doing your best. Love your horse. Let there be joy and keep going. You know, it was a beautiful, lovely, mindful moment of a day, a day without an agenda, with horses moving freely in their space. I was just tootling around on the golf cart, ovation and hotshot saw me and decided to come over to say hello. So I stopped and schmoozed with them. Ovation licked my face. Hotshot made his cute little stretchy face that got scratches on his belly from me. And Ovation seemed to really enjoy when I made a fist and rubbed my knuckles on the insides of his ears. And then we all just sat there for a bit, me on the golf cart and them standing in front, their heads kind of hanging somewhat inside the cart. And I just listened to them breathe. And after a short time, I wanted to go back to the house and get some lunch. So I asked them to move, just put my hand up and gave them the back signal. And they took a few steps backwards. I slowly rolled the cart forward a couple inches and they took some more steps and turned and walked away. And as they did, Ovation gave a big yawn and licked his lips and Hotshot lowered his head, just gave it a little gentle shake. I smiled and rolled back to the house, feeling quite in love with the moment. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.